The stars at night are big and bright. Deep in the heart of hockey. Hi, I'm Carolyn. And I'm Marin. And this is Deep in the Heart of Hockey, a podcast about the Dallas Stars, fancy stats, and general hockey shenanigans. And this is a very special episode. Why is that, Carolyn? Because we have a very special guest. Yay! For the first time ever, we have a guest who is remoting in on the show with us, because we did do that one podcast where we were all in a hotel room and talking over each other. Uh, But we have Hannah Stewart with us. Uh, Hannah is one of the best prospect writers in the end you know, for the NHL. Um, She currently writes for The Score. um, And I used to work with her when I worked back on FanRag Sports. And so we're extremely excited to have you. Thanks for coming, Hannah. Thank you for inviting me. I am stoked. (laughs) Uh, The reason we brought Hannah on is because the NFL, NFL, NHL draft (laughs) is next weekend. I was going to say, I can't speak to that one. <laughs> no, I can't either. Carolyn, yeah. you forgot to tell them what number our podcast we're oh on. Oh my and gosh. We got, we After got... I looked it up and everything. <laughs> it is episode 75 and it is June 17th, which is why the NHL draft is next weekend. Yes. We actually thought about moving our podcast to next weekend just so we could do draft recap, but I'm actually going to be out of town. So that's why we're having a preview. Horribly planned on your part. I know, right? Totally. My, my problem that I have a job and all. <laughs> Work. Um, so we just wanted to bring Hannah on because we know fucking nothing about prospects. Um, and we've talked about that a lot, that we know nothing. About how we don't know anything about prospects. <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> and we couldn't be able to reliably answer any questions. So... Thank you so much for coming and being the like one expert voice in the room right now. <laughs> um, I love having any excuse to talk about prospects, so I was pretty thrilled. Excellent. I guess I'm gonna just like jump right in here. Uh, cool. Who? So we kind of understand who the number one, number two, number three are. Though, if you feel like illustrating that for our, our listenership, who might not also know anything about prospects. Um, who do you think is going to be the most shocking draft pick? Like, who is who do you think is going to go really off board? Uh, ooh, that's a really good question. I think someone we're going to see fall more is Adam Boquist. I'm getting the sense that, for me, he's, like, number four. Mm-hmm. Like, I would pick him before almost any other defenseman in the draft and you know how much I love Quinn Hughes so that's saying something but I feel like we're gonna see him fall I'm not sure I haven't gotten a good sense of why I don't know if he just is smaller or if they're I don't I mean I know that he is one of the smaller ones I don't know why people have suddenly decided I don't know it's frustrating because I don't understand (laughs) why he's dropping I do hate it when I don't understand things. It's my least favorite thing. I just no sense to it. But um, and I think maybe higher than we initially expected is um, Kokaniemi. He's probably the best center in the draft, like pure center. There are a lot of guys who can play both center and wing, um, but don't. But he's he's Finnish. He's very good. He's very smart. Um, and I feel like Montreal's been kind of like looking his way, which is weird to me because I don't think he's a number three pick, but I don't know if maybe they'll trade down 
to like fifth or something and try to get him. But then also they could just pick Brady Kachuk and go with that. Who knows? I don't know. So Hannah, I'm trying to predict what Montreal does. No, that's probably for the best. I know that not everybody who has the same last name is related, but is Niemi any relation to Auntie Niemi? Oh, sorry. No, that's his last name. It's, it, I just can't. It's Jesperi or Yesperi. I can't pronounce it. Oh, okay. So that whole thing that you just said is his whole last name. Yeah, that's it. Coke Niemi. That's his whole last name. I just okay. can't pronounce his first name correctly. No, I'm, no worries. I'm working no on worries. it. <laughs> oh, trust me, that is, like, the one thing that you do not have to worry about on this podcast is it's just hard. <laughs> no, 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 no. Carolyn has problems with English, so not a problem. <laughs> she she has she has the most amazing pronunciations of things all the time. So, really, it's we, no worries. We do worries. the best we can. Yeah. We do. We absolutely it's especially do. especially frustrating and then we with prospects because guys will, like, pronounce them four different ways in the same broadcast. Uh, like Martin Nechas, um, the Carolina Hurricanes prospect. I've heard I heard his name back at U18s or not U18s World Juniors um, pronounced like six different ways over the course of the tournament. I was like, can we just decide on one, even if it's wrong? I mean, yeah, no, we had uh, Lindell, and then we had Lindell. No, we had Lindell, then we had Lindell, then we had Lindell again because he told us that it was pronounced pronounced different ways every time. So you know, it happens. Yeah, it's not just the announcers. It is the prospects themselves who will change the pronunciation of their names. Well, Connor Sheary or Sherry or whatever did that last year. And it's like, you, what? Or Brad Marchand. And Brad Marchand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just all come together, get a consensus, pick one, be done with it. Mm -hmm. Yes. That would be be for the best. Yeah, preferably the easiest. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Anyway, sorry for that digression. (laughs) Oh, no, this is also normal for our podcast. No, this is a digression podcast. This is a safe space, Hannah. Like, I know you probably have some professional standards to maintain, but we don't. (laughs) No. No, that's why we... That delights me to hear. Yeah, well, that's what we preface at the beginning is like, this is about general shenanigans because these are the shenanigans. We are the shenanigans. Like, this this is the podcast of shenanigans. This is my preferred environment. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay! Um, who do you think is going to make the worst choice? Like, ooh, I I I want to say worst choice, but like, who do you think is going to go and like who who is going to pick the Denis Gurionov when Matt Barzil's still on the board? That's tough um, because and you know even why if is the- it going to not be the stars this year? God, hopefully. <laughs> even if it's even if the Habs choose Brady Kachuk, that's not going to be. It's going to be off board, but it's not going to be a decision that is bad for them moving forward because he's a great player. So you have to look down the list, and I don't know because I feel like at seven, there's no way the Canucks can screw this up. There are at seven, there are going to be multiple incredible puck moving defensemen available. It's hard to shoot yourself in the foot with this. My gut tells me they're going to do it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And I hate saying that, but I base it on past evidence. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, their drafting decisions haven't been bad recently, but other decisions really have been. Uh, There's a lot of derision, I would guess, in some of the, especially the analytics version of the Canucks community for the pick of Ali... Yulo Levy? Yulo Levy. Yulo Levy. 
Uh, do you still think that was kind of a smart decision at this point? Or are you more on the like, yeah, that one, that one ended up being a whiff. Mm -mm. I watched him in junior and I like him. He's a player that I like. He maybe wasn't a good pick at the spot he was picked, you know, compared to other options, but I still think he's going to be a good player for them. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's not, you know, the player that some people, some writers want to make him out to be, Mm -hmm. but I don't think he was a, poor decision at the level of some of their other poor decisions (laughs) they've got plenty of those left so i don't know maybe maybe the canucks and then maybe if it had been the past regime i would say the aisles at 11 and 12 might screw up that back-to-back but with Lou coming in and that you know that overhaul starting to happen, I feel like that might give it. Depending on who they have in place, I feel like that might go better for them. So one, so the Dallas Stars are in a awful spot again for drafting. Who who do you think the Stars are going to pick? Since they're obviously not going to get you know top three this year, which was kind of probably saved our asses. Oh, I just, okay, so first of all, you're not in a terrible spot in this draft. This draft is deeper than last year's by so much. I mean, maybe not, you know, exponentially, but it's deeper than last year, and at 13, you're going to get someone good. I have slotted in Joel Farabee for the stars in the past. Um, Barrett Hayton is going to be a great, I mean, he's a center, um, and I would rather see, you know, the stars pick maybe a high-level winger, but Barrett Hayton, you can't go wrong with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's fantastic. <laughs> or he's, he's going to be fantastic. Um, there's going to be just so many strong options left at that point that if they whiff, it's going to be their own fault. Well. well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> Carolyn and I had the exact same reaction to that. Same reaction. Like I'm pretty confident our our timestamps will even line up exactly. Oh, it came in unison through my my speaker. So here's my thing, though. Like, if they let the person who made last year's second round pick make the decision for this year's round pick, I think you're in good shape because I really like Robertson. Yeah. So Robertson is actually going to be one of the people. Uh, so they announced who the roster is for their 2018 development camp, and I was really, really interested to see how Robertson will do with some of the people. Like Dennis Gurionov is going to be there, and obviously he's recently and he's gotten some pretty bad. Pro- he got scratched for most of the Calder Cup final, like healthy scratched. Yeah, I wouldn't um, worry about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not worried, worried, but at the same time, like, you don't want to see that from a first-round pick. Um, but, like, yeah, I'm really excited to see Robertson getting to play with some of these people who do have a little bit of AHL or higher-level experience, because Nick Camano, mm-hmm. Camano? I don't know, he's Camano. got two, he's got two A's in the front of his name. He's not even Finnish. Like, why would you do that to me? <laughs> How dare he? <laughs> I like him. I really liked how he played in this year's playoffs um, in the OHL. It was very uh, encouraging. It's not the word that I am looking for, but I suppose it it fits too. Uh, we all, we also have um, 
Jake Ottinger come in for the goalie side of things and Colton Point, which I'm both excited for that because it's been a while since we've had somebody in the goalie or like side of the org that could potentially actually become a starter, which we need so much. Yeah, it's yeah, been a I while really since like both those guys. So I'm pretty pretty excited about development camp this year, which I can't say that a lot because you know, <laughs> we don't follow prospects. But also, I think that it's going to be one of those things where it'll be pretty telling about the future of the club, how prospect camp goes this year. I'm um, actually headed up for the game at the end of Nashville's development camp, and it's always good. Like, when I go to a development camp and watch players, it's always good to watch and see, like, who jumps out at you and then look at who they're jumping out at you against. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I remember the most is I went up for one day um, just to watch the Preds camp in 2013. And there was a player who I was watching and his skating was miles ahead of anyone else on the ice. Um, he just looked more professional. He looked better. It was Seth Jones. Mm. Mm. And so it's just, it's fun to see who jumps out at you, see who it is see how they compare you know because maybe it's a sixth round pick that makes you look you know two years ago for me it was pat harper um at the you know at the preds camp and nobody knew really who he was i had to go home and google him because he came from like avon old farms (laughs) that's a real place i think that was right let me look yeah that's a real place uh pierre didn't make that up (laughs) (laughs) are we sure i'm positive because patrick harper is real Excellent. I mean, I would totally, if I had Pierre's job, I would just be making up shit light, right and left. Like, there'd be absolutely no way. Like, you get maybe one or two facts that were actually true, but the rest of really it... tempting. Absolutely. I, I would not resist that temptation. That would that'd be like, you know, the lava cake at the end of dinner, even if you've eaten too much. Like, you can't do it. You have to do it. Yeah, throw in something just completely out there, just completely wrong in the middle of a string of correct things and see if anyone notices. That's like, Haven't okay. we seen that on film, though, that a player has been like, mm, that, no, I didn't, <laughs> when Pierre said something? Because I'm pretty sure that's happened at least once. This feels familiar. Yeah. I feel like you're right. <laughs> I mean, I've also seen it where, like, they're like, how did he know that? So, I mean, it goes both ways. Like... Sometimes he's super good at his job and sometimes he's just filling air. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's that's how all broadcasting is though. Like it, Isn't that how this <laughs> podcast is? I was, yeah, I mean I was I was going to draw that parallel. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not saying it's the wrong thing to do. I'm just saying I've seen this happen. <laughs> I have done it. I have been the happen. <laughs> I have I am I am always the happen. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure that's my role on this podcast is to happen. Hey, everybody needs that that yeah. person. Yeah. No, Marin, it's true. Marin's a key role player for us. I, I am. <laughs> that is that is me to a T. So I'm gonna actually jump ahead in our little topics list because talking about role players makes me think about this. So uh Galchenyuk for Domi. <laughs> Yeah, that was a thing that happened. I think Arizona won that trade in two ways. Um, I just am of the opinion that Alex Galchenyuk is a much better player. Um, And I was high on Max Domi in his draft year. I was, 
I was a really big fan of the way that he played the game going into um, that year, going into his draft. You know, he's the kind of player that jumped out at you. He, and I don't know if the fact that he hasn't quite lived up to that is because he was doing better against junior competition or if it was Arizona or what. Um, Alex Kalchenyuk is also not, you know, a racist Trump supporter, so that's great, yeah. too. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And that was like... really disappointing for me, you know, to have to reconcile that and throw one of my favorite players into the trash, but yeah. you do what you gotta do. We've all oh, been there. We definitely, again, we're being happen over here. Uh... <laughs> yep. But I am excited to see what Kalchenyuk does, because he's gonna be allowed, not only allowed, but encouraged to play at center. And I think that he'll be a lot better there. Yeah, I think, I think so there's interesting, there was a lot of reactions, I think, for me that I thought were very interesting, especially amongst the analytics community, because mm-hmm. while Galchenyuk's production is obviously quite a bit higher than um, Domi's has been recently, um, when you look at some of the contextual things, like Domi has still put up pretty decent or neutral shot impacts on Arizona, which historically is a fucking terrible team in shot impact. So like that speaks really well of him. Yeah, that made me that's what made me think like it'll be interesting to see what he does in in Montreal like in a different environment. Mhm. And Galchenyuk has been pretty roundly criticized for his defensive play. Um and not just by Montreal like but like by analytics people. And I do wonder a little bit about that, but I, I mean, I, I still think that Galchenyuk is a much better player. Um, I think for me, though, what makes this so interesting is that it's very clearly driven by off-ice stuff, like the decision-making, like the fact that Max Domi is not afraid to hit and fight, and like Bergevin is out there quoting all those intangibles and whatever as to why they prefer Domi, like... And, like, I, I, you know, some of the stuff I've heard about Galchenyuk off ice, too, it's more like, well, why aren't you dealing with that and keeping the more talented player instead of just being like, yeah, nope, we're good, we're out, like, peace, have fun in Arizona. Yeah, that's, that was disappointing like, um, that they didn't bother helping if the rumors were true, you know, if there are off ice issues with Galchenyuk, you know, there are a lot, there were a lot of things said, um, that reflected worse on the organization than on Galchenyuk in my view, because you shouldn't have someone who is, I can't remember if it was someone within the organization or someone just outside of, but connected to the organization. Um, you know, saying those things about a player on air. Yeah. So, I, can we remind Marin what we're talking about? Yeah, I was actually I'm, just. I'm actually looking it up. I, if okay. I remember correctly, and I don't remember who it was, but yeah, it was somebody very close to the organization who had mentioned something about Galchenyuk going to rehab. Oh, that's that's right. what it was. Okay. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember specifics, so I was trying to be vague so as not to misspeak, but I think you are correct. Yeah, um, no, I definitely remember that like it was there was something about dropping him to rehab or whatever. And I've heard rumors also from various sources that he had have at some point like at one point he did have like a drug problem, but also like again, only ever rumors and never been substantiated and things like that. And but also at the same time 
just kind of to bridge it, there was that excellent um, Players Tribune article. Uh, gosh, Nick Boynton. Nick Boynton, and how he was talking about his own problems with addiction and how he kept just get he basically just got passed around because, because when he asked for help, he would get traded. Yeah. God, mm-hmm. that's and that actually, when we started talking about Galchenyuk just now, it reminded me of back in 2016 when the Habs traded Jared Tenorti after his suspension for performance-enhancing drugs. So the Habs have a not great track record with this kind of thing. If a player has an off-ice issue with this, it seems like maybe they don't want to deal with it and they ship him out as soon as they can. And I guess Galchenyuk, you know, for him that came a little later than maybe it did for Tenorti. But the thing is... I'm sure they're not the only team in the league that has done that, especially as evidenced by the <laughs> article. Mm-hmm. But that's a problem. Yeah, and that's, I think that's, I mean, if you strip it back, if even, like, so I think there's many different layers, right? Like, if you are only looking at on-ice performance, this doesn't look like a great trade for the Habs. If you mm-hmm. are looking at on-ice performance plus intangibles, or, like, if you're looking at on-ice performance plus the ability to play center, like, it still doesn't look like a great trade for the Habs. Like, you said Especially when they said they weren't going to play Domi at center. Right. Like, so there's that. And then you take it back one level further, and you're just like, okay, if it's if it's on-ice plus off-ice, it still doesn't look like a great trade for the Habs because it looks like that what they're trying to do is just give up on a young kid. Like, a young guy. Like, I guess he's not a kid. He's, like, 25-ish at this point. But, like, a young guy... And if he does have issues, then all you're doing is saying, we don't give a shit about you. He's 24. He's only a year older than Domi. Um, but yeah, it's it's not a good look at all. And especially when you go back and you look at those, um, you look at, you know, the Tenorti example and everything, it looks like a pattern. And that's enough that's to make, if I was a... UFA, that would be enough to make me kind of look askance at maybe signing with the Habs. I don't know if that plays into that for guys. I'm sure it does. Um, but I just don't know to what extent. Mm-hmm. But we do have some Habs-related reader questions. Because cool. they're doing fun things. Uh, so Zone Plajik asks, who will GMMB lose in a dumb trade next, and is there any chance it's Jordy Ben? <laughs> Uh, let's see. What is... I don't even... Hang on. I'm going to remind myself of their roster. Oh, God. I I don't even know who they have anymore because that's what someone was saying the other day. Like, who are the Sabres going to try to trade for from the Habs now? Because apparently there was some chit-chat or something. And, um... I think it was Joe Yerden who was like, who do they even have that the Sabres would want anymore? I can't remember if it was Joe for certain or not, but I think it was. I mean, I just want Jordy Ben to get rescued. I want yeah. I want him back in Dallas, even though we have too many defensemen. <laughs> yeah, I would I would like to see him go somewhere nice. Um, ha 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 ha. Probably Carey Price, honestly. Oh my god, that's my that's my first instinct is like Carey Price, or if Victor Mete starts playing horribly next season, then they're gonna go down the Galchenyuk route and like screw him over too. Is that you? How you really say his name? Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> I know it was it blew my mind too the first time I uh, watched a, a London Knights game with him in it I was like are you kidding me right now I, <laughs> I was pretty convinced it was Victor meme <laughs> that's what well that's what a lot of um, how a lot of people were pronouncing it at the draft back in 2016 I think 
2016? So, anyway, moving one on. One person I wouldn't mind the stars <laughs> trading for from Montreal, because I was actually a big fan of him, and I think part of how the Knights fucked up the expansion draft was they picking Emmelin over uh, Charles Houdon. Or, yes! Uh, I like him a lot. I feel like he would be a good addition to pretty much any team. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a solid player, and Jeff Petrie also maybe. He was like basically the backbones of the Habs defense for the past couple years, probably. Mm-hmm. He was the backbone of the Oilers defense for a while there too. <gasps> I was I was trying not to go back to that because my blood pressure rises when that. Happens. Uh, no, no, that's like my favorite thing to do is remind people how terrible the Oilers are and were and will continue to be. Oh, man. My new favorite rumors is all the different way that the Oilers are going to get Julius Honka. Oh, my God. That's hysterical. My new favorite rumor is all the different ways that the Oilers are going to screw up trading Leon Dreisaitl. Yes! God, I need that. I need that to happen, though. I just I just really like watching them, listening to them, hearing about them crashing and burning. Like, at this point, like... Like, salt just, and burn the earth. Yeah. <laughs> It's a balm to my soul, is all I'm saying. Gosh. Okay, so you got one more question. So, with Berg, uh, Alex Russo asks, with Bergevin making progressively worse trades, what would it really take to get Patchy ready now? Spets in cash and maybe a gift basket, a nice bunt cake? Bunt. Maybe like your least favorite defensive player who hits people and a nice edible arrangement. We oh my already God. did that. Jamie Alexiak. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, wait, we're not to say his name anymore. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're not talk- we don't talk about him anymore on this podcast. Who? Who? I don't even know what you're talking about now. <laughs> oh, no. Sore subject. Uh, uh, we made a rule that we weren't allowed to talk about Jamie Alexiak anymore before we traded Jamie Alexiak. Because after was, we traded Jamie Alexia. Well, it was it, it started going into effect before too. We were like, okay, we've got to stop backing on him every single episode. Because yeah, um, it was literally every single It was way. literally every single episode. We would sit around and talk about how much we hated him because we really did. And then <laughs> post the trade, all these people were writing in like, see the the pen's fixed him, he's good now and we were just like, No, no, he's still not. He still no. really is not. The penguins are good. <laughs> Like that's there's there's a little difference there. The penguins yeah, are yeah. good, and he got so a favorable deployment on said roster. Yeah, <laughs> that's not equal to player being good. No, no. A couple things worked out in his favor, but it was not. It did not mean that suddenly the pens had cured him of being terrible. Exactly. Oh, no, if we're gonna go edible arrangements to get patchy ready, are we gonna go like? make it like Habs themed and do like the like strawberry the bouquet of strawberries or are we gonna go like the one that has the real nice mix of like pineapple flowers with a little melon I'm thinking centers. like Habs logo in pineapple ooh yes ooh, I like it bribery like what if we baked them a cake would it have to be a island cake? for the players who need to escape <laughs> yes! Jordan, back to Texas! It's just not the same since he went away. We'll just, like, smuggle in some fake ID. He'll shave his beard and no one will recognize him. <laughs> the sacrifices that man has to make to make it back south of the border. 
swear it'll be worth it, buddy. I swear. <laughs> so this week has been crazy. Like, like we all are going to agree on that, right? Like, there is 100%. For a minute, we were like, oh, awesome. It's going to be amazing to have Hannah on because we could talk about prospects because there's nothing else going on in the NHL. And then... Little did we know. <laughs> and then the Ottawa Senators happened. Yep. That's all you need to say. And then the Ottawa Senators. And then, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's so much. There's so much. Um, so I guess, first and foremost, um, the Senators finally suspended um, Assistant GM Randy Lee, who is currently charged with a uh, charged with harassment over in Buffalo over the weekend of the draft combine and it took him what like two weeks yeah something like that yeah Um, the the incident was on May 30th and he was finally suspended on the 15th of June yeah so literally like two two weeks like pretty Um, late in the day yeah they were definitely, like, I think throwing it in the, the Friday afternoon news dump. Yep. Which, again, the Habs tried to one-up them on that one. God. <laughs> <laughs> that Galchenyuk trade, I think, came through at, like, 9.30 my time, something like it was, that? It was 9.30 my time. Okay, so, like, 7.30, yeah. And, uh, but, yeah, no, so auto, so that's, like, the first thing that happened. Yeah. And... I, mm, if he keeps that job, I'm just, I don't know. It's when you're accused of harassing, particularly in a sexual or lewd nature, a 19 year old boy and you, your, your primary job function is to work with 18 and 19 and 20 year old boys. I don't think you should keep your job period. That's just hands down. It's gross. It's weird. It's uncomfortable. If I was the parent of a senator's prospect, I would be furious. <laughs> um, and I think my other thing is, like, there's so many people out there or like, so he hired the same lawyer that got uh, Patrick Kane off, basically. No, 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 no. He didn't hire Paul Cambria. Yeah. Melnick went out and hired Paul Cambria for him. Gross! So, Eugene Melnick doing the most. Um... But here's the thing that I really, really, like, the thing that got me. So in, in that interview, when they right after they hired him, Paul Cambrio was like, yeah, I was really impressed with Melnick's loyalty, which, what I, I, I want to know, really, honestly, is what he has done in his job to make Melnick loyal to him. Because obviously he shouldn't be having his job if, if he's, you know, harassing people in a ha- harassing teenagers in a sexual manner, but also he probably should have been fired years ago because he's bad at his job. Mm-hmm. One of the first things I said um, to my friend Tasha, who was in Buffalo with me for for the combine um, when the news broke, was well, at least it's not going to hurt them too much to fire him because it's not like he's done anything worth saving him for. Right. And they're going out of their way to give this guy, like, a high-powered lawyer to fight, like, a misdemeanor. It's not even a misdemeanor. It's a step below. I think they, yeah. I think it was, like, a violation or something. Yeah, something like that. was that. phrased. But yeah. it was Weird. just, like, 
And I feel like they think this is like an image management thing, and they're coming at it all wrong. <laughs> but that's not even the craziest thing that happened in Ottawa no, this week. It's not. No. Oh God. No, it's not. Marin, do you want to explain what's going on? I mean, <laughs> sure, I can. So, um, we're we're talking about Melinda, right? I'm oh yeah. Okay. So, as we all know, Eric Carlson is married to a very lovely person named Melinda, and they very unfortunately lost their child. Uh, was that in February or March? March. 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 Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then it came out uh, just this week that Melinda has filed what sounds like the Canadian equivalent of a restraining order. Yeah, that's what I think so. Um, against um, Mike Hoffman's girlfriend, whose name I cannot remember off the top of my head. Monica. Monica. Karen, Monica. Yeah, name. that's it. Yeah, something like that. Monica. And um, she's accused her of harassment over the period of her um, of her pregnancy. No, starting, uh, yeah, like starting back in November. Yeah, mm-hmm. th- th- during the time that she was pregnant. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, and like... It, kind of culminating on on the the post where Eric Carlson announced the fact that they had lost their child where she said something like that poor baby never stood a chance because of you know Melinda popping painkillers every day and stuff like that so just really horrible shit you should never say to anybody let alone somebody who just lost their fucking child so yeah uh, Mike Hoffman uh, has come out since then saying that it's definitely not them that he wished that not them. Uh, he has specifically said not us. Like, he's in a, like, he's like... Nobody accused you, bro. No, I know, yeah, that's why I said them. Right. Making it the plural, both of them. Right, well, I'm just, I'm emphasizing that. Yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah, like, nobody what the hell, Mike? anything. Why is he, yeah, that was a little weird. So, and then, um, what else happened with that? There were a couple of things that just made it weird. Oh, all of these wives were coming on Twitter and saying, I can't, like, yes, this is true, this is happening, and all this kind of stuff. I, I know that Kyle Turris's wife definitely did. And somebody, um, Marley Hammond did, Mar- Andrew did, Hammond's yeah. wife. Yeah. Um, and then Taylor Winnick and Codette LaBarbera, who, neither of whom I don't think have ever, you know, their husbands have ever played on a team with Eric Carlson. No, yeah, Codette LaBarbera, for sure, no, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so... What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yes, precisely. What the fuck? Like, that's that's where I'm at, too. I don't know, like... And it came out that apparently the senator's management has known about this since the end of the season? I wouldn't be surprised if they had known something was up well before the end of the season. Oh, me either. No. Like, so it. so here's my my theory. And this is 100% a theory. There's no insider info that I'm dropping here. Nothing like this. But this is my theory based on understanding of the SENS management practices and various NHL anyway. So we all know that Eric Carlson was almost traded at the deadline. Um, I'm pretty confident the team he was almost traded to was Tampa Bay, but it all fell apart at the last second. And that's why Tampa Bay ended up going after McDonough. However, what happened there is if we have this understanding that there was an issue between Mike Hoffman and Eric Carlson, and both of their names have been in trade rumors since before the trade deadline, my, my guess is 
that they decided it would be easier to move Eric Carlson because he would fetch a higher return, A, Mm -hmm. but also because his next contract is going to be a lot of goddamn money. And what do we know about the Senators is that they hate spending any money on their players. Big internal, or not big, but opposite of big internal budget. Yeah, like it's it's an important internal budget, very strict. And so I think the other thing is that like, if they knew that Carlson was unhappy with a situation that it was involving a teammate, it made more sense to me, like from their perspective, that they would move him and work really hard on trying to move him. And I, so I, there's no way I can see no way that Carlson stays in Ottawa. No, Mm-mm. no, none. Like even if Mike Hoffman gets moved, like there's no way Carlson stays in Ottawa. Well, not if, not if he knows that they knew and did nothing about it. Yeah. Well, and here's my thing, and I don't, I want to preface this by saying I don't think he will do this, <laughs> because he's not that kind of person from everything we've seen, but if it got to the point of, you know, getting the season started, and he had not been traded, I would not blame him for not reporting to camp, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> given all of the shit, not, not just this, but everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. think he would do that, I it's a very rare thing and it's usually just RFAs who don't do that but I would not blame him were that the case not even a little bit no do you think that Carlson will end up on the Golden Knights like the big rumor is um I think that they could make a pretty big splash they're poised they're well poised to take on someone very good with a big contract and I think Carlson would be the best choice I don't know if they will they will get it (laughs) but I definitely think it's possible it depends on what the return is because there was something about like they didn't want to give up Cody Glass um, but if they manage to um, you know do well at this year's draft then you know they might see Glass as slightly more expendable they're just starting that prospect pool so the hesitation is understandable but it's Eric Carlson also yeah yeah would that be enough to make you like the Golden Knights, Marin. <laughs> Why would you even ask me this? Because I'm wrestling with that question myself, and I would like to hear your opinion. <laughs> I mean, if there's one thing that finally setting on the Dallas Stars has taught me, it's that, no, it probably wouldn't be, because at some point... They would have to go through the Golden Knights to get there, and I would end up hating them forever because that is what happens. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> nope. I think it might make me like them for as much time as it takes the Dallas Stars to face them in the playoffs. I don't – I mean, I have such, like, a hatred for the fact that George McPhee is going to win GM of the year. I have such a hatred for it that, like – I feel like a lot of my ire was kind of uh, – satisfied by the fact that they didn't win the cup this year if they had won the cup nothing could have saved it like you could trade Jamie Benn to that team and I would still hate them (laughs) but you know what they should do they should collect everybody I hate so Connor McDavid should go there (laughs) that's what should actually happen they should just call then Jamie Alexiak and like all these yeah start collecting my, my least faves don't do that. I need to keep liking them because of Flurry. Once oh, once okay. he retires, then we can hate the Golden okay. Knights. Okay, I, I understand. I understand. That's fine. That, and he honestly, like, 
when he went there, that was the thing that gave me the most pause about being like, fuck them. Because I do, I do love me some flower. Like, he's great. How yeah. can you not like that man? What's really actually very annoying about the whole Golden Knights scenario is that for all of the like hype that their top line got, which deservedly they had one of the really good top lines in hockey, Marc Andre Fleury was the reason that team succeeded so well. Like, absolutely, he was. And then he got so much shit in the final. And it's like he has been carrying, not carrying, but he has been, you know, the backbone of this team in absolutely. every game he's played in. And then now you're going to shit on him in the final because they're playing against a team with Alex Ovechkin. And, you know, he's not even. Yeah, you know, like the best forward on the team during this series. Yeah. Yeah. Like no. People are not rational. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Especially about sports. <laughs> yes, that's absolutely true. <laughs> One other very uh irrational, illogical thing that happened this week was Gary Bettman got deposed. Um, about the whole NHL concussion lawsuit. And he very specifically said that there is no link between CTE and uh, hockey hits and concussions. So I don't know if you read. Um... Oh, shit. What's Katie her name? String? No, 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 no. She works. She writes for DBD. The one that came in medicine uh, that we had dinner with what's her name Erin is that it oh Erin yeah yeah um Erin was talking about the fact that like that actually might be factually correct because there just isn't a lot of actual research about Mm -hmm. that that because people don't want that research to be available so they don't do that research because they don't want to connect those dots yeah there's no um official you know published link backed up by a study yet. And it's funny, I actually had the chance to interview um, Bennett Omalu for my day job for a piece on just such this subject, actually. Um, so who, and is, who is that? Who is Bennett He's Omalu? like the leading CTE guy. He's the doctor okay. in like League of Denial um, and all the whole NFL thing. Um, he's the one who's, you know, the big name in the NFL CTE cases. And he's Perfect. he's also, you know, furious when I was <laughs> talking to him about the fact that that, you know, that that is happening, that there is no official link yet because nobody wants those studies done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess from a factual perspective, there is no proven link is a different a different sentence than there is no link. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's something like, he can say without perjuring himself. Yeah. Like, perjure yourself in a deposition, I assume you can. I'm not super familiar with that kind of law stuff. We, we, are, we aren't either. I have never <laughs> I don't deposed know. either. It's nope. something he can say without lying. We'll, say, we'll phrase it that way. Yeah. Uh, but I think, and I don't know if whether or not this was purposeful, um, but also this week, at the same time that this was happening, um, the Players' Tribune dropped two different very moving pieces. Um, one was Daniel Carcillo did a video um, talking about his own struggles. And then, of course, we referenced it earlier, um, the piece by Nick Boynton. And, uh, God, that took me hours to read. Like, I'd, I had to stop and, like, 
put it away and then come back to it. I couldn't read the whole thing. I read the first part and I read the ending and I knew that I would not make it through the middle because I was reading it at work and I was like, there's no way I I can do this. I started it at work and then I was like, I'm not in a big cube anymore. I can't cry at work. So I stopped (laughs) and then I never actually went back. So I still need to do that. So Driving Girl asks, so very much on the same vein, have y'all had the chance to watch Daniel Carcillo's video for Players Tribune just yet? Yes. See, I did not watch it because I knew I would just explode into tears. I have not uh, watched it because everything Carcillo has said on the subject since Machador passed away makes me cry. And yeah. it came out while I was at work. And so I was like, this is, I can't cry at my desk today. I I watched it when I was not at work. And... um. Because I am trying to do smarter things with my um, with my my tears, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, he was he was certainly talking a lot about um, what he's trying to do personally uh, to get his life back, to get his memories back, to stop having like the horrible symptoms that he'd been having and all that kind of stuff, and kind of talking about like what his day to day life is. And the part that really, like, punched me in the face was the end where he said, I don't love the NHL. I love the game of hockey. Mm-hmm. And I was it, was, it was so fucking sad because, you know, he was talking about how he did all these things when he was, when he was playing. And he knows that he was the kind of guy who would lay heavy hits and all that kind of stuff. And he, he's very well aware of the reputation that he has. And just talking about the fact that, like, he had no idea really you know because he didn't he he didn't know that that kind of thing could cause those kinds of issues so I'm very passionate I think that part of the reason my interest has swung so heavily to prospects in recent years is because of how bad the NHL is about stuff like this yeah um and, and other things as well but I've been very passionate for several years about getting you know fighting specifically because that's a step that's a start out of the game of hockey at a junior level because then when guys work their way up they're used to not doing it it's going to be less common it'll eventually phase out and I think that we'll see that but I got so much pushback and this has been two years um, I fought with an Oilers writer um, who you know sent all of (laughs) he sent like all of his followers after me for it because you know white men don't like being challenged about their hockey opinions Um, and specifically but the Oilers media are the fucking worst and like you don't have to reply to that Hannah because I know you again are actually working in a professional space but they're the fucking worst like god I got into an argument with them about Lucic literally like this past week I laughed Mm. a lot about that argument (laughs) I missed that and I'm sad that I did oh my god it was so good at one point, I just—I definitely was like, "You're being deliberately obtuse. Have a pleasant, delusional evening." <laughs> like, yep. I was like, "I'm." It was the most beautiful tap out I'd ever seen. I was just like, "That, <laughs> that, that, that was that was a thing of beauty and a joy forever." Like, I could have really gone for a killing blow with this dude because he was an NHL alum. So I looked him up, and I'm like, "You have 674 NHL games and 55 points." Wow. Like, I, I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I mean, I'm doing it on my podcast, but he doesn't listen to this shit. So, like, fuck it. Like, what are, why are you in my mentions trying to convince me that something that you can't prove never happened? Like, 
is more important than the things that actually do happen. That is the actual argument. That makes no sense. <laughs> it didn't make any sense then! It still makes no sense! No. Sorry. No sense at all. Ugh, they're the fucking worst. I hate the Oilers. I hate the Oilers. I hate everything about that fucking team. <laughs> like it's just like a zone, like a tornado of tragedy. I'm I'm yeah. just really bitter about all of the time that I spent wishing the best for them and like investing my time and energy and like value into them. And all the emotional energy them. you wasted only to yeah. be betrayed. All that useful energy I wasted only to be betrayed. All of the money dude. Yeah, no kidding. Are you aware that I purchased a Sam Gagne jersey literally the month before he was traded? No, I think I remember that. I think I remember feeling the betrayal for him. I I never even got to watch him play while wearing it. It was awful. I was so mad. (sighs) It was the worst. It even had a, I even put an A on it because he was an A that year. <laughs> oh, man. I still... Do we want to get into our feels in a different manner? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so, uh, Hannah, since you're our guest, do you want to tell us about a happy thing that has happened in the last two weeks? Hmm. It's, <laughs> I'm going to have to think about this. <laughs> if you want to have That's to think about good. it, we can go first. You go first. I'll think. Okay, Carolyn, do you want me to go first? Do you want to go first? You go first. Okay, so I've got to start with a sad thing to get to the happy, or not a sad thing, a mad thing to get to a happy thing. <laughs> uh, and it's D&D related because that is my life right now. Um, we finished our 4.5 game and are starting our 5.0 game. And we, I, I have literally spent the last month coming up with this character, right? I have researched shit about being a druid and about like all this. I've done so much and I've done a bunch of RPing with a bunch of people. And I've just been so excited about this character we get. And she's, she's this druid that was literally raised by wolves in the middle of the forest and doesn't like going into cities, has only one friend and a wolf that follows her around. And like, this is, she is so Antisocial and also like really distrusting of people and I just couldn't wait to like get to a thing where I could like come up with these reasons that she would start trusting people and have all of this like character growth and stuff and we go in for our first game and my DM sits down and he's like alright y'all are all friends and you're sitting in a tavern and this man comes up to you and I was like hold on a fucking second like we had sent him these character sheets like two weeks ago right he told us he was actually going to incorporate our backstories into this. And I don't even know that he ever actually looked at them at all. So, yeah, apparently we're all best friends and we were sitting in a tavern together in the middle of a town. And I was like, mm, no, I wasn't. <laughs> so anyway, the happy thing that came out of this is that I was at um, a, like a game night on Friday night with um, three of the people that are in the group with me. And we started playing... Um, it's called the Ungame. Hannah, I don't know if you've ever heard about this with your church background, but it is. it was basically, like, started in... It was a game that was made in the, uh, like, it looked like the 80s, early 90s, somewhere in there for church youth groups that now they use for, like, psychotherapy, too. But it's basically a game that you cannot lose that forces you to talk about your feelings. That and sounds awful. It oh, no. It is so awful. 
<laughs> it is so awful. But my friend Anna grew up playing this and has always wanted to play this with us. So what we did is we actually sat down and played it as our characters. And it was quite possibly the best fucking night ever. And we, uh, as we were doing this and like, answering these like you know tell me about your nightmares as a child as like you know my character whose family was killed when she was a child uh so yeah we we decided that we're actually going to run a simultaneous campaign where uh we're playing these characters that we have so lovingly created and our friend mikey is going to be our dm and i'm really fucking excited about this so that's my happy thing because it is something to look forward to with this character that i have lovingly lovingly brought to life that's fun. That's Thanks. really fun. I'm really excited. My D&D campaign is going pretty well, which I play a bard, Hannah, and she is a pathological liar. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not so, like, I mean, it's, it's, it's harmless lying. I mean, I wouldn't call it pathological, but she's very much like, I will fuck with you every which way, like, 100%. And, and she's extremely, like, greedy, but for a good reason. But, like literally every single time somebody says a, an amount to her or like she finds treasure or whatever it's like she always tells them like at least 20 gold less or like you know it like takes some skim some off the top for herself <laughs> it's kind of it's pretty fun I'm, I'm wondering how much i can get away with honestly my happy thing is kind of a sad happy thing i guess <laughs> what what is this podcast <laughs> this is like the most depressing podcast. I'm sorry, Hannah, for for joining this podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry we ever asked you to do this. This is terrible. <laughs> Next time, just tell us you're washing your hair. Um, <laughs> uh, so, Anthony Bourdain was a actually a really big influence on my life. Very, very quietly, um, big influence on my life. Um, I read his Kitchen Confidentials actually when I was still working at Dell. And it was what really honestly made me want to pursue cooking, uh, pastry, as, as a career choice. And so if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't know any of you, basically. <laughs> um, so as seeing how, uh, so his death really was, threw me, threw me pretty badly. Um, but watching the world remember him has been so incredibly uplifting and great um and we have a couple friends who live in nyc and i've seen and bo both of them have have like walked past the and posted pictures and like just watching the world talk about how awesome bourdain was as a person and it's been really kind of inspirational to try and embody a little bit more of that myself. So that's that's kind of my my sad happy thing. Oh, I will say it's been beautiful that there have been so many. Like I haven't seen anybody that's like, oh yeah, that guy was kind of a dick, and here's my terrible story. Like every single story has been awesome. Like I, yeah, it's it's been it's been a beautiful like kind of memorial to him and what a cool person he was that all of these stories are coming out Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's there you go hannah do you have an actual happy thing or <laughs> i do i do um yay i last weekend i have it's a two-parter last weekend i did my first like live radio hit on hockey primetime on sirius xm nhl 
Awesome. And that was really cool. Um, And then, you know, I went to, I was credentialed at the draft combine. And then the Monday after I got home, I, um, because I'm writing an article on the NTDP, um, which will be, I assume, up by the time this comes out, maybe, I don't know. Um, (laughs) And it's a piece that I've wanted to write for a while, but I wanted, you know, insight from people inside the program. And so writing for the score is kind of opening doors. And so I got to talk to Seth Appert, the head coach of the U18 team. And he talked for like 20 minutes and it's all fantastic and usable. And so it's kind of like a dream scenario. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I can't wait to read it. Uh, so this will come out Monday morning. So if, if it's not up Monday morning, it will probably be up very, very soon after this podcast comes out. It'll be like Monday or Tuesday. I'm not sure exactly yet. Cool, that's awesome. I feel so bad that I don't have like better like better prospect questions to ask you because I know you know so much and I just don't even know the right questions to ask. <laughs> but we do have some listener questions. Yay. I'll ask this first one, Marin, and then you can ask the next one. Okay, right, sounds good. Sound good. Okay, cool. So Justinification asks, how many riches could a rich Richie ri- reach if a rich Richie could reach any kind of consistent goal scoring? <laughs> Wow. Um, <laughs> let's break that one down for a second. How many riches could a rich Richie reach if a rich Richie could reach any kind of consistent goal scoring? I mean, a lot. Is that, is that what we're going for here? Like, I mean, if he could be consistent at goal scoring, it would be fucking fantastic, right? Like, If this he could is... be consistent at goal scoring, then we wouldn't be constantly having the conversation of who can play on the wing of fucking uh spezza yeah yes <laughs> precisely did you see that video that the stars posted of him and uh human puppy devon shore did i see it <laughs> did i see it have i watched it like nine million times because their house still perplexes me like they have no furniture in it. I haven't watched it yet. I, I was going to say, is it like big and really empty? It is yes! hilariously big, Hannah. It is hilariously big. This is and such Richie's a hockey bedroom, player problem. Richie's bedroom is like the biggest like master bedroom suite you've ever seen. It Richie's has, bedroom is the size of my apartment. It has a bed, like a single bed in it, and then 20 golf clubs lined up against the wall. <laughs> Ew, and that's that's his bedroom and then he's got this random picture of a flower on the wall that came with the house that he just hasn't bothered to move i'm like what are what is even what is going on here it is ridiculous so it's richie and uh, so it's brett richie and then his brother nick and then devon shore all in this like fucking mansion yeah and i assume it's- they're renting this for the summer or is this yeah. where they live in texas no, no, no. They're, no, they're up in Toronto. Okay, so they're renting this for the summer, so it's understandable that they don't want to invest time in decorating, but still, oh my god. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine, so like, Richie, first of all, like, okay, I'm going to just back that statement up. I can't imagine that Richie has particularly good game. That said, assuming he did manage to bring someone home, wouldn't you just, like, assume he's a serial killer? I would. Yes. Like, I absolutely would. Yes. Why would you keep your golf clubs in the bedroom? Lined up outside of... <laughs> lined up 
against the wall, not even in a, a bag. Wait, what's that line from Fifty Shades of Grey as he's about to open the closet door into his, like, dungeon? <laughs> Please Photoshop <laughs> that a only with Richie at golf clubs. <laughs> this is my playroom. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, so move on to the next question, or do we need to talk about Richie some more? <laughs> no, please, let's do let's we, move on. We, do okay. we really don't need to be talking about Brett Lurgy's sex life. No. Yeah. Even though it's, you know, on topic for our podcast. It is on topic for our podcast, because we are... Hockey and it does. It does make me regret saying Devon Shore human puppy. Though I will. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. And there it is. <sighs> <sighs> Only took us an hour and thirteen minutes, but we got one right in there. <laughs> oh, Hannah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. <laughs> this has been an inappropriate hour with Carolyn and Marin. Unwilling participant Hannah Stewart. Uh, <laughs> somewhat Jen, willing. Somewhat willing. Jen, friend of the podcast, Jen asks, uh, number one, holy fuck, the Butte signings, extreme eyes emojis. Do you think they'll get any more uh, US, U.S. women's national team players? Yes. Uh, she really wants Emily Falzer to come back. I have heard that Falzer plans to go back. That was a while I ago, I so and I don't remember who I heard say it, but I feel like there's a good chance. I think Falzer will go back. I'm curious to see if Megan Bozak goes back. I feel because like she didn't. I feel like we're seeing a lot of um, players move to Buffalo, choose Buffalo, whatever, because of the Pulas and their investment in the team. Yeah. So I think that's what's changed. Like I think the. I mean. So, Marion doesn't follow women's hockey particularly, but the Buttes have gone hard. Like, they're, they signed Kelly Babstock today. Like, Kelly Babstock was one of the star players the first season. Like, I mean, she has been the backbone of the Connecticut Whale. So, like... Yeah, I was really surprised by that. Coup. Huge coup. Um, I, 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 think, I think Emily Fultz will be back. I can't see her not being back with, like, how excited she has seemed about the wholesale of the team and, like how integral she's really been to like building that team mm-hmm. i agree like I, I, I couldn't see and i mean she's clearly not done playing hockey that's the other thing is like i know like she's not one of the younger people anymore because it's been a while but like also like she's she's pretty much well in it like she's well in her career um i haven't seen as many people defect the cwhl as i thought i would um because of of China money, which is really surprising to me. So I mean, I'm glad for the NWHL that that's not happening. But I, I was I was kind of expecting a bigger flight, yeah, out to China because of the money. One thing I um, will say is I feel like you mentioned Megan Bozek. Um, I feel like she'll probably stay with her CD, CWHL team, um, just because of like her. If I remember right, her significant other. I don't remember if it's boyfriend or fiance at this point. Um, plays rugby for a team, a professional mm. team or semi-professional team in Toronto. So that that area, but I mean Buffalo is also not like super far. So I am a little surprised that we haven't seen a whole lot of signings for the Whitecaps yet. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too. 
Like, I know they've got the coach in, but I'm, like, I'm waiting for the that to fall. And a little birdie told me that we will start seeing some pretty exciting ones coming up this week, too. I um, heard the and, same thing from the same bird. I am excited. I am, Yo. too. <laughs> Yo. Are we deliberately being circumspect about this bird? Yes. yes. That is so annoying. I'm sorry. Sorry. Fine. I mean... Get really into women's hockey, and then you'll probably know too. <laughs> I have I have spread myself too thin. I know, I know. Do you want to ask the second question? I do want to ask the second question. The second question is: Do you have an NHL draft drinking game for us? Oh man, I feel like I need to write one. I think you do. We would absolutely love to do an NHL draft drinking game. Ooh, take a drink when you can't tell if Pierre Maguire is making something up. Is Pierre on the draft broadcast? Is he coming on the draft podcast? I don't know. I don't know. I figure he does everything think, that NBC does. I think we get TSN's draft broadcast. I can't remember, though. We'll see. But yeah, drink when Gary Bettman is booed. Um, drink when Bettman goes to the podium and says, we have a trade to announce. Drink when someone thanks the host city. Um, and there's wonderful staff, blah, 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 blah. That whole spiel everyone does when they get to the podium. You'll be wasted half an hour in. Drink when you can't tell if uh, the name is from a romance novel or a mashup of two parents' names. <laughs> Drink when a character sounds like he should be a law firm. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at you, Garnet Hathaway and Barclay Goodrew. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, drink when it's Jaden, but it's spelled with like 18 extra Y's. <laughs> drink when a player is very obviously from the WHL. <laughs> <laughs> drink when the stars fuck up their 13th round, 13th overall pick. I mean, that's uh, not just a drink, like, cause it's a, it's a one-time event. Just drain whatever you're drinking when that happens. <laughs> that's a chug. <laughs> that's a chug. That's a, fini- that's a finish your drink. That is a finish your yeah. drink moment. Drink when Oilers trade somebody one for one. Oh God, gosh, I'm 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 I don't know. I'm kind of more excited about this this draft, and a little bit sad that I won't be able to like really soak in it because I'll be flying <laughs> out the next morning. Like, I'm gonna early. be there for the opening night. That's right. That's exciting. Yeah. For you. It's so much fun. I've never been before, so I'm pretty excited. I'm very thrilled for you. Thank you. I hope you have a blast. Me too. And if you're walking around and you see the hot coach of an NCAA team, don't go take your picture with the hot coach without telling your friend who is buying coffee two feet away. Oh, Not wow. that I am talking from experience or anything. That's so rude. I would never. Who <laughs> <laughs> might be a hot coach of an NHL team now. Gosh. He is. <laughs> We'll just leave it at that. All right. <laughs> we will leave it at that. Anyway. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's all we have for you today. A uh, big special thank you to Hannah Stewart for joining us for Inappropriate Hour with Carolyn and Marin. Uh, Hannah, where can we they find you? the name of our podcast. <laughs> that should be the name of your podcast. Um, I am on Twitter at Hockey with Hannah. No I in the with because of Twitter's stupid character limit. And I am writing at the score. And I'm Carolyn. You can find me on Twitter at Classlicity. I'm Marin. You can find me on Twitter at Marinish. 
And you can find our official Twitter at DeepHeartHockey. And if you have a longer question, comments, you can email us at DeepHeartHockey at gmail.com. And you can find our uh, official blog at DeepHeartHockey.wordpress.com. Bye! <laughs> Bye! <laughs>